good morning. Welcome to Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. This is the day the Lord has made. We should rejoice and be glad in it. Well, if you're visiting with us this morning, we'd like to welcome you. Ask you to take the time to fill out the little visitor card you'll find in front of you. Place it in the offering plate as they come around so we can have a record of your visit. We would greatly appreciate that. If you're joining in with us this morning online, we also want to say welcome to you and pray that God reaches out and blesses you this morning. So, what's happening at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church? We have a lot going on. First thing I want to do is say thank you to those of you that worked very hard and did a wonderful job in our fish fry on Friday night. God bless you. And my family left. Amen. Amen. My family left completely full. And so we just want to thank those wonderful ladies for taking care of that. Saturday morning, we had a very successful and a wonderfully well-attended Vacation Bible School workshop. And so we're still in need of some things. If you get with Sister Rosalie about Vacation Bible School, if you're needing to do that, uh, please prayerfully consider being a part of our Vacation Bible School. That is coming up June 6th through the 10th, and registration begins very soon. So please be in prayer for that. Church, I want to ask you to be in prayer about our fifth Sunday singing next week. So come and be a part of that. If you want to sing something to be a part of that, let us know. Get with Robert, get with me, and we'll get you in a lineup for that. Uh, that's our fifth Sunday singing. There's going to be a fellowship before that, I think at 5 o'clock. It's going to be hamburgers and hot dogs. Come and eat with us, and then come and sing with us. What's not to like, amen? So must be a Baptist church. We're talking about all this food now, right? All right. So with those things in mind, uh, that's our upcoming June events. But I also want to remind you to be in prayer for youth camp coming up. We have some, some youth will be going out to camp. Be in prayer for them. Be in prayer for those that are out traveling and those that are at home sick this week. So please keep them in your prayer. All right. With that being said, I think that's it for our announcements, unless there's something that I've forgotten. Yes, ma'am. Oh, there is something. Yes, come on up.
So prayerfully consider being a part of that as well. With that being said, I think that's all of our announcements. Let's go to the Lord in prayer, and we'll turn the service over to Brother Rob. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. I want to thank you for the opportunity to gather in your house this morning. We're asking, Lord, your spirit would move and touch us this morning. We are praying, Lord, you have your way in our hearts and in our lives. We ask, Father God, that you'd bless those that are out today because of traveling, or those that are sick, Lord, or those that are just caught up in work or anything else. Lord, let them know we love them. We're praying for them and bring them safely back to you. Go with us now into our time of worship. May your name be glorified and magnified, and help us to worship you in truth and spirit. And may your Son, Lord, be glorified today. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Robert? Y'all be patient with me today. My good friend Arthur is having fun with my voice. I just want to share a little something with you. Who who all has paid attention to what's on the marquee out there? About Noah? Yeah. I had a friend send me a text. Hey, Noah, where's the ark? I replied, we had to cancel the work order. It wasn't needed. It wasn't enough rain to have to worry about an ark. Let's all stand up. We're going to start this service off with, I'll fly away.
my goodness, uh, that arrangement was done many years ago at Northside Baptist Church, and you could tell the sound quality wasn't all that good because it was recorded and recorded and recorded and passed on, and uh, the good news is, is I was pastor of the church and therefore can give media release, amen? Hallelujah! Well, sometimes being pastor has its perks, amen? Well, you know what today is? Today is Pentecost. I see some red out there. Some of you know, some of you have been out there praying, and you stay on top of what's going on in Christianity. It is traditional to wear red on Pentecost. And some of you might be saying this morning, Pastor Josh, what is Pentecost? Well, I'm so glad you asked, amen? We're going to learn a little bit about what Pentecost is. We're going to have a little fun with it. And so, my prayer that God will send His Spirit again today, touch your heart, bring you to know Him as personal Lord and Savior, and bring you to be a part of Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. If you're not, that's my prayer. Let me tell you right now, if you're lost, if you're not a Christian, my goal is to get you saved. Amen? You might be sitting there saying, are you after me, Josh? Yes, I am. I want you to know my Jesus. And I want you to go to heaven with me. And I want you to have that personal, intimate, loving relationship with a Father in heaven who thinks you're worth His only begotten Son, who thinks you're worth dying for, who thinks you're worth every drop of blood shed on Calvary Street. Can I get an amen this morning? So you might be thinking this morning, what's Pentecost all about? Let me tell you what Pentecost is. Pentecost is a continuation of what God did on Calvary Street. Not only did He save us, not only did He justify us, now He's regenerating us, renewing us, remaking us in the power of Jesus' name. Can I get an amen this morning? That's what Pentecost is all about. If you have your Bibles with you, turn to me please to the book of Acts chapter 2. And let's read a little bit about that first Pentecost. Now, Pentecost wasn't uh, the actual name of what the Jews called this holiday, because it was a Jewish holiday. It was actually Shavuot. That's how they say that. He was Shavuot. And what Shavuot actually stands, it translates into, is the Feast of Weeks. The Feast of Weeks. And so, as you know, we count 50 days after Resurrection Day, because that's at Pentecost. That's what Pentecost means. 50 cost days. 50 days are the counting of 50 days. So the Jews would actually count the Omer. They would count 49 omers, 49 days, until the 50th day. And then they would celebrate Shavuot. Shavuot in Jewish life celebrated the giving of the Ten Commandments. Moses was up on the mountain for 40 days, 40 nights, comes back down 10 days later. Guess what? 50 days, Pentecost! So the mystery's cleared up now, right? So the Holy Spirit would come to us 50 days later, writing God's law on our heart. In the same way, God came down on Sinai with fire, with rushing wind, with trumpets, with voices. And that's exactly what you see on Pentecost Day here in Acts chapter 2. Look at me in verse 1. The Bible says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. With that being said, would you pray with me? Father, we are asking now, in Jesus' name, that you would send your Spirit to do a work in our hearts. If there be anybody who needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, or anybody, Father, who needs to get their walk right with you, their life right with you, would you let today be that day? If we bless you, 
praise you and give you the glory even now in Jesus' holy name. Amen. All right, I have a wonderful picture for you to see there of the upper room. And you see there cloven tongues of fire there over top of their head. This is an old painting, and so it's just a beautiful thing. So I just want you to see the idea of it then. That's probably Peter in the middle. And I always like Peter because you can tell when you look at these pictures, you can tell which one would probably be the Baptist. Can't you? You know which one is the Baptist? The one with his mouth open because he's got foot and mouth disease like most Baptists. <laughs> most Baptists do. We like to speak before we think sometimes. And Peter was no exception to that rule. He would often say things that he would turn around and eat his words later. Let me give you an example of that biblically. So you might say, Josh, where does that happen at? Remember what Peter said to Jesus? He said, hey, if they come at you to arrest you and kill me, I'm not going to let that happen. And Jesus turns around and says, what? He says, before the cock crows, you're going to deny me thrice. And, of course, Peter suffered from the foot and the mouth disease and ended up doing exactly what Jesus said he was going to do. We see that all the time. Peter does it once before when he's out there with Jesus. And Jesus is telling him, I'm on my way to Jerusalem where they're going to crucify me. And Peter has the audacity to take the Son of God aside and rebuke him and say, Far be it from thee. For Jesus to turn around and say, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. Peter suffers from the foot and the mouth disease. And when you look at that picture right there, you can see the guy in the middle. And you know that mouth is perfectly sized for a size 11 boot. Amen? He must be a Baptist. All right. So what is Pentecost, church? It is, like I said before, the counting of the Omer. That's where the Jews would actually wave the wave off. You've probably read about this in your Bible before. If you're a Jewish guy like me, it makes complete sense to you. Uh, they would do 49 days of counting. They would count the Omer. To this day, my Jewish congregation, my Jewish people are still writing me. They're still speaking to me, saying, Pastor or, or Rabbi, uh, are you counting the Omer? And I'm counting the Omer with them. The day of that... 50th day, and they would rejoice and they would bring in the wave offering before the Lord saying, thank you for the offering you've given us. Thank you for the grain you've given us, for the new life you've given us. And uh, if you haven't thanked God for the rain you've been getting, you need to say, Jesus, thank you. Let me tell you, He's blessing us. Amen? He is blessing us with rain. And when that rain comes, you need to think about the spirits pouring down in your heart and in our churches today. We need a refreshing. We need a washing in the United States today. Can I get an amen on that? So they counted the Omer. It was 49 days of counting. And, of course, their particular uh, holiday was called Shavuot. Shavuot means the counting of the Omer in those 49 days of week. Shavuot, the counting of week. Truly and honestly, they celebrated the giving of the law. Moses coming down from Mount Sinai with the two tablets of the Ten Commandments on it. And so we, as Christians, celebrate on Pentecost the giving of the Holy Ghost. Where the Holy Ghost comes into our life, comes into our heart, seals us by writing on our heart the law, if you will, the moral law. That's why Christians cannot, let me say this as clear as I could possibly say it, Christians cannot live consciously in sin. Because if the Holy Spirit has written it on your heart, then it convicts you, and it troubles you, and it brings you to repentance. And if you don't have that Holy Ghost in you, if you don't have that Holy Spirit in your heart or in your life, then you better get saved. If you can continue on in that lifestyle, then you might ask yourself, where's the Holy Spirit? And you should be a little bit afraid. The upper room here. Now, that's where the disciples were when the Holy Spirit came. 
And so we need to ask ourselves a question this morning. Why are the disciples still in the upper room? Now, Acts chapter 1 verse 4 tells us that being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. This was Jesus. But to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me. He told them over and over again on all the discourse. He said, when I go, I will send to you the helper. I will send to you the teacher. I will send to you the spirit of truth. You know what I'm talking about. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And he told them, go into Jerusalem and you will receive power from on high there. So we find them in Jerusalem in the upper room. And so that brings the question is, why still the upper room? The upper room is where they had the Last Supper. The upper room is where Judas walked out and began to betray Jesus. The upper room is where that wonderful, wonderful washing of the feet happened. That upper room. But we might say to ourselves, why would they stay there? Perhaps we can answer that question this morning. Look with me in Luke 24, verse 49. Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. I said before, Jesus said, just go to Jerusalem. Stay in Jerusalem. Now, you might be saying, well, God, where else were they going to go? Well, you know what? You ever been to a city? There's lots of places to go. But they choose to stay there. And maybe perhaps it's because they were welcome there. Or perhaps it's because it was a scene of great memories. Perhaps it was a place of security. Why the upper room? Look with me in Acts chapter 1 again, and let's read verses 12 and 14 as we begin building our message this morning. The Bible says, And they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day journey. And when they had entered, they went up into the upper room where they were staying. Peter, James, John, Andrew, Philip, Thomas, Bartholomew, Matthew, James, the son of Alphaeus, Simon the Zealot, and Judas, the son of James. These all continued with one accord, in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. So there's a lot of people in the upper room. They're there with Jesus. They're praying, the Bible tells us. They're in one accord, and they seem to be happy in that upper room. In fact, if you start looking into it, it would seem like that that has become their base their place of operations, if you will. If you're military, you might say, it's our familiar operations base, Joshua. There they were. Look with me in John 20, 19. Then the same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Now, I brought that verse out just to show you that it wasn't just because they were praying. It wasn't just because it was an easy place to go to. It wasn't just because they had rented it previously. But the Bible tells us in John 20, verse 19, that they were in there with the door shut for fear of the Jews. Then Jesus, being resurrected at the time, came and stood in the midst and said to them, Shalom, be with you, peace, be with you. So why the upper room? Perhaps we're beginning to understand now. The upper room represented something to them. The upper room was a place of great teaching. It was a place where there was wonderful memories. It was a place where they felt complete. It's a place where they said, that's Jesus, where Jesus last was. Perhaps you're there this morning. And you've been saying, I need to get back to where God last was. That's the only place they knew, perhaps, in Jerusalem. And that's kind of what I'm trying to get at 
this morning. That's kind of what I want to bring out to you. That was the only place they knew. That was the place they felt comfortable at. It was familiar. It was safe. It was secure. And it was easy. But that's not at all what Pentecost was about. The upper room had that last supper. Could you imagine those precious memories? How that would have been as Jesus took the matzah, as He took the bread, and He broke it. He said, this is my body broken for you. As He took the wine, He said, this is my blood poured out for you in the new covenant, in the bread of the child. That's the new covenant we do. This is poured out for you. Think about that song. Precious memories. How they linger. Some of you know those precious memories. The upper room became a hiding place, like John 20 tells us. The place where they came in, they shut the doors, they locked it, they said, the world is outside and we're inside. It was a place to be secure. A place to tell the world, you can't come the upper room has something implied in its name. Upper room. Upper. That's right. Fancy. Upper prize. High and lofty. I'm better than you are. I'm up here. You're down there. Let's talk a little bit about Pentecost. Who was there. The Bible told us who was there. The disciples were there. What happened? Well, we read it. A rushing wind came. The Spirit fell upon them. He saw, or they saw, the tongues, and they heard. What does it mean? Peter began preaching. The Jews began convicted. There was salvation. There was baptism. What does that mean to us? Jumping back to our Bible, let's look at Acts chapter 2 and verse 5. Let's look at who was there. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. I need you to understand the Bible is literal. You can trust it. It is the Word of God. It is inerrant. It is inspired. And it is infallible. And if it says there was Jews dwelling in Jerusalem, devout men from every nation under heaven, and you can take that to the bank. You can walk on it. There was Jews from every nation of every particular country there that day to celebrate the giving of the law of Moses. To this day, Jews put the emphasis on the law how many of you know the law kills? How many of you know the work of the law is to let you know you need a Savior? How many of you know the law is designed to show you that you can't save yourself? The law is designed to teach you that when you look at it in its perfect state, you realize how helpless you are, and it's designed to chase you all the way to the cross and no further. For the law cannot save you. Never could. Couldn't save the Jews. It will not save the Jews. The Bible tells us there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. 
And now let's skip down to verse 14 as we look at who else was there. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice and said to them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. So who's there? Peter and the eleven. Please don't put Judas Iscariot now in there. Judas Iscariot committed suicide. We have a new disciple that took his place. His name is Matthias. So we have the eleven there with Peter. And we have devout men, Jews in every nation. That's who's there. So let's answer the question of what happened. Look with me in Acts chapter 2, verses 2 through 4. I know we're going quickly now. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven. This is what happened. Who was there? This is what happened now. Suddenly there came from it, came a sound from heaven as of a rushing, mighty wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And just to complete the thought, get down to verse 6. And when the sound occurred, they heard the sound of the rushing mighty wind. They heard them speak in other tongues. And there were people there from every nation under heaven when they heard something being said in their language. The Bible says they came together. Look with me in verse 6. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together outside of that high and lofty upper room. Outside of that place of security. Outside of that place that had those great memories. Outside of that place they felt like they could lock the world out of. And when the sound occurred, the multitude came together. And they were confused about it then. Because everyone heard them speak in his own language. And we should understand it's not a bubbly, unintelligible, un- ununderstandable language. It was a language that they all could understand. So, we see who was there. We see what happened. Who was there? The disciples and devout Jews from everywhere. What happened? The Holy Ghost came. If you read the rest of the story, Peter preached. Oh, what a sermon he preached. What a sermon he gave them. He let them know that they had taken the Prince of Glory. He let them know they had taken the Son of God and they crucified Him on a tree. And the Bible says they were pricked in their because they too knew the work of the law. The work of the law convicts. It does not justify. It convicts. Let me give you an example of that quickly this morning. The ninth commandment. Thou shalt not lie. When's the last time you told the law? Don't answer that. <laughs> Pretty funny, isn't it? If God judges you by that standard, So what happened? Acts chapter 2, verses 37 to 39 says, Now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. My Greek Bible likes pricked, cut, slice. They were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what should we do? And Peter said to them, Repent, and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promises to you and to your children and to all who are far off, as many as the Lord our God will call. Well, you know, 3,000 or so. Now I'm going through this quickly because we're going somewhere with this. 
3,000 are saved. Acts 2, verse 41 says, Then those who gladly received His Word were baptized. And that day about 3,000 souls were added to them. Yes, we folks, at life then, we didn't need to be baptized. The Holy Ghost came. Peter said, when you get saved, when you repent, when you put Jesus in your heart, you get the Holy Ghost. So let's take a look at what the Holy Ghost is this morning before we go any further. What is the Holy Ghost? Well, the Bible tells us in John 16, verse 7, that it's a helper. It's a helper. The Holy Ghost is sent to help you. Now, I'm preaching a little bit to the crowd this morning. I wish the choir had stayed up here because I want someone to tell me what I do with my hands behind my back. Amen? I need someone to give me that information. However... The Holy Ghost came, and it's a helper to them. That means it's designed to help you when you feel helpless. And as Christians, we feel helpless all the time, don't we? You ever felt helpless when the world comes crashing down on you? Do you feel helpless when the world points its finger at you? Do you feel helpless when the bills start piling up? Do you feel helpless when the world starts condemning you? Do you feel helpless when the world says it's all your I need you to understand that as a Christian, you've got a helper. John 16, verse 7 says, I will go, and then I will send you the helper. And that word helper is beyond powerful. That word helper is so much more than a kitchen aid. It's so much more than somebody who holds your hand. It is, the Bible tells us in Greek, it's the parakletos. What is a parakletos? That's somebody who goes to God on your behalf and tells God what's happening in your life to God. What a comfort that is. Amen? Sometimes you think you can't tell God what's going on. I want you to know the Holy Spirit inside of you is talking to God Almighty. God always knows what's going on in your life because you have a helper. A parakletos. And we've heard about the other definition of parakletos, you know, kind of like the lawyer, kind of like the one who walks in and defends your case that automatically wins. You ever seen those old courtroom shows like Perry Mason or Matlock, and when they walk in, you know they done won the trial, amen? When the Holy Ghost walks in, you know the trial is over, because that's the job of the devil. The job of the devil is the accuser, and he goes before the Father, and he says, did you see what that child did? Did you see what that girl did? Did you see what that son did? The Holy Spirit goes and says, Wait a minute. They're washed in the blood. They're born again. They've been redeemed. They've been purchased with precious blood. That's the job of the parkletos. But that's not all the jobs. Also, the spirit of truth. John 14, verse 17, and John 16, verse 13, says it will lead you in truth. That means, listen to me now, listen closely. That means it gives you discernment. Discernment, which seems to be a gift the church is lacking in nowadays. We put our faith into dime a dozen preachers every day. We listen to them on YouTube. We follow false prophets. We bow down to idols. We go to churches we never should have been to because we have chosen not to listen to the voice of truth. Amen? What's wrong with us? We got the Holy Ghost. The church. The Bible says it's the spirit of truth. It will lead us all to truth. We're trying to give up discernment. In fact, 1 John tells us, test all the spirits. Because you've got the spirit of truth inside of you. Should you be doing that? Let the Holy Ghost tell you. He'll tell you, don't do that. So you get a good idea of what the Holy Ghost is. He's a helper. 
and He's the Spirit of truth. He tells you what's right. He tells you what's wrong. He shows you truth amidst this world of deception. And this world is nothing but deception. Let me be honest with you. Young men and young women, before you sign that contract, read it. Amen? Somebody is trying to deceive you. Before you buy that house, look to see if you can find something back. Take a moment and use a cool-down period. Find out if there's something better for you. Don't think you got to jump on it right now. Well, I remember that young 18, 19-year-old boy I used to be. I'd want it and I had to have it right now. Thank God I got married. And my wife said, no, we can't do that. She, like the Holy Ghost, is a helper. You see the picture? Do you see the picture there? A helper. So you see some of the function of the Holy Spirit. That's just some of them. He's a helper. He's a paracletos. He's a spirit of truth. And he came that morning in a rushing, mighty wind, and he manifested himself with tongues of flame, and they began speaking in tongues. Well, on top of that, you may not know this, but you can breathe the Holy Spirit inside of you. Ephesians 4, verse 30 tells us that you can continue a life that grieves the Holy Ghost inside of you. And let me tell you, you don't want to do that. You can fear your conscience to the point where you won't hear from it anymore. And you will lie to yourself just like the devil lies to you and say, see, God accepts it. He's no longer convicting me over it. That's not true. The truth is, is you've grieved the Holy Ghost and He's no longer speaking to you. Ephesians 4 verse 30 says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit inside of you. You know what else you can do? 1 Thessalonians 5 19, the Holy Spirit can be quenched. I call them the fire bucket brigade. You ever met some of those Christians when somebody gets on fire? You can't wait to get around and put that fire out. Every church has a fire bucket brigade, don't they? Somebody gets excited. Somebody gets on fire. Somebody starts witnessing. And somebody turns around and says, you did that wrong. And just put that fire right out. You can quench that Holy Ghost. You know what else you can do? Acts 7, verse 51 says you can resist it. And as a pastor for 27 years, that's what I see mostly in the pews. When the Holy Spirit is calling you to come, put Jesus in your heart. When the Holy Spirit is calling you to obey. When the Holy Spirit is saying, come, follow me. You hold on to the pews and you say, not me, not now, not today, maybe some other time. And you are resisting the Holy Spirit. saw who was there. You saw Peter and the eleven. You saw devout men and Jews from all over the world. You saw what they did. They received the Holy Spirit. They spoke in other tongues and they preached. And 3,000 people got saved. What a revival that was. Amen. What can we learn from that experience? Number one, and this I think is applicable to every church in the United States today. We've been praying all these years for revival, have we not? We've been praying. We've been saying, God, send your Holy Spirit. God, bring revival. God, bring this country back to a godly relationship with you. And the church stays in its upper room. The church has decided, just like the disciples, we're afraid of the Word, and we're going to lock the door and not let them in. And I'm here to tell you, the Holy Ghost has been coming to us for years, 
And we need to get outside and start preaching like Peter did. It's time for us to go out there. There's 3,000 people that need Jesus today. What can we learn from the Pentecost experience? That we need to get out of our upper room and start bringing Jesus Christ to the people who are dying in their sins. We need to get out of our upper room and get to those people. You know what else we can learn from the Pentecost experience? They went in there and closed and locked the door because they were afraid. We don't have to be afraid anymore. Last year, the church in America closed and shut down and locked its door for fear. When the Bible tells us God has been giving us a spirit of fear, that have a sound mind of truth. Oh, come on now, amen. We, are, we don't have to be afraid anymore. We've got the ability to overcome. We've got the Holy Spirit. We don't have to be afraid of anybody, anything anymore. You've got the Holy Ghost inside of you. They were afraid until the Holy Spirit came, and they walked out there and started preaching to Jewish people. Could you imagine preaching the law to Jewish people? They eat, drink, and sleep the law. What are you going to teach them? Peter taught them that the law leads them to Jesus. And 3,000 got saved that day. He said, what am I going to do? You have got a mission field white under harvest out in front of you. And you don't have to be afraid anymore. I'm afraid I'm going to offend somebody. I'm afraid they're going to cancel me. Getting canceled is a badge of honor nowadays. Amen. I want to get canceled. I can't wait for Facebook to say Robertson Avenue Baptist Church is against our rules. I'm going to celebrate and say, thank you, Jesus. That means I preached something right. We've got to get out of our upper room. And we've got to let go of the fear. And we've got to get a hold of God because there's people outside who are dying in their sins. You know what else the Bible tells us? It said, if you read through that Pentecost story, it says, God added to the church those that should be saved. We have got to come to the knowledge and to the understanding that it does not matter if they reject the gospel we preach. It does not matter if they get saved or not. What matters is, is that when we preach it, when we present it, God brings forth the increase and He brings those people to the church that should be there. And all we've got to do is be obedient and do the preaching. God will add to the church as He sees fit. Have you looked around you at Robertson Avenue? Seems like 3,000 people have been coming in lately. Hallelujah. Praise God. We had so much of that. We had a fish fry. That's something, right? I got tickled at it because you know what the disciples did? You know what they ate? When the moment they realized Jesus had been resurrected, Jesus, Peter said, I'm going fishing. And they caught the fish and Jesus was having a fish fry on the shore. I thought, man, that's God working in our midst. He's here to do something new. And, and you know what Jesus did after they ate fish? He gave them the Holy Ghost. I'm waiting for a Holy Ghost revival to start moving. Here at Robinson Avenue Baptist, we already had the fish. All we need now is the day of Pentecost. Amen. But God will add to the church as He sees fit. But you've got to get out of your upper room. You might be sitting there in a few days saying, Pastor Joshua, I'm afraid. And I have locked myself into a special place somewhere, and no one can get to where I am. I'm safe. I'm comfortable. I'm at work, and no one can tell the difference between me and the world I live in. You know what that is? That's a wasted opportunity. 
You know what that is? That is disobedience. What would have happened if those disciples, when the Holy Spirit came, and you know what's funny is God brought the crowd when they heard the noise. You read it yourself. They came and said, what's happening? All Peter had to do was walk outside and start preaching. The devil's going to gather all the crowds for you. Did you see the big crowd he gathered at the rabbit patch? All you had to do was go preach to them. Did you see the big crowds he gathered all over the place? All you have to do is go preach to them. In fact, you've got to come to the understanding that God adds to the church as He sees fit. All you have to do is become obedient to that. You might be in that upper room saying, I'm afraid. I'm afraid what happens. Disciples were afraid. They were afraid of the Jews. They were afraid of religious people. They were afraid of the Roman authorities. And so we've been afraid over the last couple of years. We've been afraid of other religious people. We've been afraid of the government authorities shutting us down. The government has no authority over the body of Jesus Christ. Not one bit of it. And we need to rebuke the government in the name of Jesus Christ and remind them why this country was founded. Because it was built on the belief of the body of Jesus Christ. Having freedom. And it's time for us to stand up again and say, get back, Jack. We're coming out of the upper room and there's 3,000 people that need to get saved. Sometimes the government needs rebuking, doesn't it? In case you haven't noticed, the government is in the business of telling you lies. You're supposed to have the Holy Spirit in you telling you the truth. For a lot of us, we believe the government over our God. Meaning that what? The government has taken our place. We can't have that anymore. We've got to get over our fear. And we've got to get out to those people. You know what else might be happening in the upper room? You might be sitting up in that room saying, well, I got it better than you do. I had a fish fry. <laughs> What did you have, Josh, on Friday night? Brother, I had catfish. Amen? Oh, it was good, man. I'm still talking about that. It's Sunday now. I'm still talking about that catfish. You know, just as a way of advertisement, in July we're having fajitas. Go like this. That means, amen, I'm a Baptist church. <laughs> That'll get you out of the upper room, honey. Get you down into the fellowship hall where you belong. Chicken fajitas, beef fajitas. If I could talk Esther into it, grip for heaters, amen? Mm-hmm. Get out of the upper room. Get down into the fellowship hall. No, you might be sitting there today saying, Pastor, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Well, it's time for you to come out of that room. You might be sitting there today saying, I'm afraid to come down the aisle. I'm afraid. I like being locked up in my little room. Be a Peter this morning. And step out and come on down the aisle. Put Jesus in your heart. Be a Peter this morning. And stepped out and say, there are people that need Jesus. Be a Peter this morning and said, I have not been living right. And the Holy Spirit has been convicting me. But today, I'm going back. You know what I love about the upper room? We don't often talk about this. But you know what's great about the upper room? It's the disciples, when they didn't know where to go, when they didn't know what to do, when they didn't know what was going to happen, they went back to the last place that God had worked in their life. And guess who showed up? You might be saying, Pastor, I need to be back where God did His last work in my life. And I'm here to tell you this morning that God is alive and working at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. And church is the last place God did a work in your life. And you need to come this morning and put Jesus in your heart. You need to come this morning and make Jesus your Savior. You need to come this morning and get your heart right with Him. Get out of that upper room. 
disciples got there and they were expecting to see God. It took a little time, but God showed up. And boy, when He showed up, He brought the mighty rushing wind. Let me tell you a little bit about that. i got a, a few more minutes. How many of you know the Holy Spirit was there at the beginning of creation? You know what it says there? Holy Spirit is God. He is God, the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. You say, where's that in the Bible? Let me tell you where it's at. In the beginning, God said, let us create. Let us. Not let me, not let you, or you do this or you do that. No, He said, let us do it. He's talking to the Son, and He's talking to the Spirit. The Bible tells us the Spirit of God hovered over the face of the deep. You know that word Spirit is the exact same word we use for the Holy Ghost. It's Kadesh Ruach in Hebrew. The Spirit was there. He was there at creation. He was there at the writing of the Bible. You know what the Bible tells? The New Testament tells us that there is no one who wrote the Scripture. No, it was inspired by the Spirit of God. Breathe out by Him. That same Holy Spirit that created the world is the same Holy Spirit that breathed the Bible. Amen. What can you learn from that? You can learn this. Get out of the upper room. Take this with you. You will find yourself discerning. You will find yourself preaching. You will find yourself witnessing. And you will find out that there's 3,000 people that need Jesus all around you. And let me tell you something great about the world. I know that we often talk bad about the world, but let me tell you something good about the world. When they hear a big noise, they come running. Go like this. When something's happening, they come to find out what it is. And you will tell them the greatest news this world has ever known, that Jesus saved They will come running. We're going to have a word of prayer. If he spoke to you this morning, you need to come running down the aisle. Or perhaps you're one of those this morning who says, Pastor, I need to get my life right. Would you come and talk to me this morning? You say, Pastor, I need to be a part of Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Would you come and let us know about that? Or perhaps you say, Brother Josh, I am a Christian. But God's calling me to ministry. Or God is calling me somewhere else. Would you let us know about that? Or perhaps you just need to come and talk to God by yourself. You need to get a hold of God and say, Do a work in me, Holy Spirit. Change my heart, oh God. And let me sing that song, Breathe. This is the air. I breathe. And worship. Whatever it is, we're going to give you the opportunity to come. Let's pray together. Father, we come to you now in Jesus' name. And I pray, Lord, that your spirit will touch each and every heart this morning. That if there be anybody that needs to come to know you as personal Lord and Savior, or anybody, Father God, that needs to get their heart right with you, or anybody, Lord Jesus, that needs to get their relationship with you, I be a part of Robertson Avenue. Would you let today be that day? We give you the praise, the honor, and glory in Jesus' holy name. Come as we sing. Lord, I'm coming home. Come on. Come home. Come on.
enjoyed your time of worship here with us at Robertson Avenue Baptist Church. Don't forget today at Pentecost. Don't forget there's 3,000 people that need to hear the message Jesus has put inside of you. Bring it to them. Bring it to them and see what God does. All right. With that being said, don't forget tonight at 6 o'clock we'll have uh, worship service. 4.30 we're going to have choir practice. Uh, don't forget Wednesday night at 6.30 Bible study. And my goodness, we're just a busy church, aren't we? That's a good thing. So come and be a part of that. Get plugged in and get be a part of what God is doing in our Sammy Baptist Church. Let's close in that word of prayer. I'm going to ask Brother Joe Beatty. Would you close in prayer for me, sir?